Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Unshackled Liberty. We had Drew, the clean libertarian, on today. Gumbo was not able to join us. But we, uh, Drew and I talked a little bit about sobriety. We talked about his story, um, his path to sobriety. We talked about the Sober Caucus. And I think it's pretty important that we talk about these things as libertarians because we have this reputation for being kind of a... Uh, um, like an unclean group of people, so to speak. But uh, you guys know this is a Christian show. We we are clean. We live clean. And so if we can spotlight somebody who's uh, who's um, somebody who's met the challenge and uh, and and beaten his addiction, we're going to do that every time. So really blessed to be able to release this episode. I hope you like it. Do they just do that to make sure everybody knows that everything you say is now on record? I think so, because so, yeah. it didn't used to do that, no, man. It didn't. So when did it start? Because that you know, when when Gumbo and I we both moved back to the mainland from Hawaii, and and uh, so we took some time off a lot, and now it's honestly it's been very challenging to try and get our mojo back because of the time zone thing. We both lived on we both lived on Hawaii Hawaii Standard Time. We we lived right down the street from each other. And so it made this podcast thing much easier, but now he's on the East coast. I'm on the West coast and there's yeah. three hours in between. And it's like, ah, how are we going to do it? So we took yeah. a lot of time off and now we're trying to struggle to get it all back together. But now every time I hit that record button and I hear, you know, the zoom, the zoom voice say, this meeting is being recorded. I always get like, like the, the suspicious guy in me is like, okay, who's listening? Who's listening to this? <laughs> no, it's a podcast. Hopefully a lot of people are listening to this, you know, probably not, right. but you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well anyway, uh, so, uh, Drew, we're, we're joined with Drew today. I don't know if Gumbo's going to make it. Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Um, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, Q, you've been great. You know, uh, I, I've enjoyed the content you put out, both of you guys. You uh, and my mom. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, brother. nobody else. If it wasn't for my wife and my mom, like, I wouldn't have any listeners on my shit. I get it. Um, So I'm better known as the Clean Libertarian. I run the Clean Libertarian podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much just uh, highlighting stories of recovery and also, like, really putting a spotlight on people who are – doing really good stuff with drug policy across the country. Good. Good. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably let's, let's talk a little bit about all of that stuff. Cause I think it's very important, especially being libertarians. Uh, you know, we got a bit of a reputation for being a little reckless with, uh, with, with some of these things and, and, and a little hedonistic. Yeah. A but uh, you know, there's, there are those of us out there who are, um, well, I, I don't mess around with any of that stuff, you know, any of it. Uh, I don't even drink. I don't, and I have coffee. That's the hardest thing I do coffee and, 
you know, I'll, I'll slam an energy drink or some pre-workout and that's about it. <laughs> you, right know, on, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but, uh, but that's it for me, man. Um, so what's your, what's your story? What, what brought you into this, this life of uh, advocating for sobriety? So I, I, you know, hell, okay. We'll, we'll go back. So like all my life and, and even up to the current day, man, it's always it, let me inter- let me uh, interrupt for a second, Drew. Sorry, I'm not tu- I'm not turning the screws on you. You don't have to share anything you don't want to share. I know that for a lot of people, the story is very personal, and that's great. I totally respect that. So, um, if uh, if if you want to share everything, share everything. If you you know want to hold some things back, feel free. It's your story. Um, I do ask that uh, you know you've heard me say this before. If you've listened listen to the episode, um, we try and keep it pretty clean, you know, uh, because I don't want I don't want mom and dad to not, I mean, if there is a mom and dad out there that listen to the show, uh, I don't want them to not be able to listen to it if kids are in the car with them or something like that. So, but yeah, go for it, man. And, and you tell your story, how you, how you feel, how you feel like you need to. Okay. We'll do. Um, yeah. When it comes to, to my story, this is something, especially being involved in 12 step recovery that I've been asked to do on multiple occasions. Um, so it's not a big deal for me, you know, um, as a matter of fact, my story is the most powerful thing that I have in my arsenal when it comes to talking to other addicts, you know, other people looking for a way out. Um, the nuts and bolts of it is just like any other addict, man. I, I never could quite fit in where I stood. No matter what, I always wanted to be somebody else, somewhere else doing something else. Um, and unfiltered reality just didn't make sense to me. It didn't make me feel comfortable. I was never comfortable in my own skin, you know? And um, when I learned about substances, when I stumbled across that, you know, it started out as being fun, having a, having a, you know, good time with some friends. And then it turned from weekend warrior into a full-time career. Mm. And then it was fun until it wasn't. And I don't know how to pinpoint that. And I, I mean, we could sit here and I could talk about a whole bunch of different situations and scenarios. Um, let me ask you though, cause this is your podcast. Yeah. And I'll, I'll keep it clean. Uh, am I allowed to talk about like some illicit use? You, you can talk about the use and behavior. I just, I no problem. Um, I okay. just asked that the language is, is, uh, reasonable that a, the 10 year old boy in the back seat isn't isn't dropping f-bombs at school because he heard it on this show okay yeah <laughs> you know, absolutely you know I mean? like, absolutely <laughs> um so here's the thing um i struggled for a great number of years trying to get clean a great mm-hmm. number of years um and you know throughout that time i i had several different relationships uh, you would call them a hostage situation, <laughs> yeah. okay. but, but you know, it was a, it was a relationship to some degree or another. And, and one of the, those relationships that I had, you know, uh, she ended up getting pregnant and, um, my daughter was born mm. and, and I remember looking at my daughter, holding her in my hands and thinking in my head, like I finally have a reason to get clean now. This is it. Um, and, you know, no matter what I tried to do, everything I ever tried to do had the utmost sincerity and, and best intentions behind it. But it's like I looked at this little girl that I brought into this world and it's like everything that had the potential to be good in me was passed on to her. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I had this feeling. 
and um, fast forward a couple of years and we're in the uh, we're in the dope house and she comes running up to me with one of my tools of the trade in her hand. Mm. And so it's like, here's this most beautiful, perfect thing in my life, holding the, the thing I'm most ashamed of. And that was like a defining moment for me. Wow. Um, it was like maybe a week after that, my mom showed up and she had a temporary, uh, temporary custody order from a judge. So she had, you know, got custody and, Q, I knew this was coming. Like I stopped showing up to, you know, in any family functions, I stopped answering phone calls. Like you can't just bring a grandbaby into the world and, and, you know, not and just hide her away. Like it, that's yeah. not going to work out. But the thing is, is that like, I had Gra- always, yeah, grandma, grandma's not going to have that. You no, I mean? yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, in yeah. the slightest. Yeah. Um, but I, I had played this scenario out so many times and I always imagined myself like fighting her tooth and nail, but like, I'm gonna be honest, man, after that had happened, you know, the week prior, I, I had no fight in me, you know, I knew I was messing up, you know, and she said, my mom looked at me in the eyes. She said, you know, son, I can't stop you from screwing up your life, but I can stop you from screwing up hers. And, you know, that was a profound rock bottom moment for me. Yeah. I'll bet, you know, um, and it wasn't long after that, man, like just everything just turned crazy for me. Uh, my own dope dealer was like, you need to go to detox. (laughs) You you got a problem when you're, when your plug is telling you to go get help, you know, uh, (laughs) that's somebody that doesn't understand business right there. No, not at all. (laughs) I think at at that point, like my dollars are more of a liability than, you know, anything else. And so it's like, okay. So I'd love to tell you, like I I came in and went to detox and figured it all out and I'm doing fine, but man, I am one of those hard cases. Like I, I've been to 20 different inpatient facilities. Wow. I am that guy that the entire world, except for maybe a couple of people in the rooms had given up on. Mm. Um, and it takes what it takes, you know? It, well, that's a powerful testimony right there. Right. Um, just that statement that the entire world had given up on you with the exception of maybe a couple. Um, well, we see that daily in our lives. I mean, we all know people like that. We all, you know, I mean, those of us who, who, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I struggle, you know, it, my story is nowhere, nowhere near yours. I, I recreationally used in my youth, um, because it was fun. I never got in, I never got into where, where, uh, where it was a, a dependency thing. Right. Um, but we always, we see those people who are so far gone. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not worth it. At least yeah. that's how we rationalize it. Right. But here, here you are, it is worth it. You know, it is worth the effort to try and reach these people that nobody is so far gone that they can't be helped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a powerful testimony for you just to say that statement right there. Um, the whole world that turned their back on you, basically given up on you, except for a couple people. You just needed, you know, I mean, so what was, what was it like? Um, I mean, maybe you don't have to recount every single, every single episode or every single uh, attempt to get clean. Um, but you, you know, you had said yourself, you were, you had been in a, what, 20, you said 20 different homes or 20 different facilities. Yeah. 20, so what, 20 inpatient. Visits. What does that, what does that, you know, if somebody ever struggled with, with, with an addiction like that, what does that, 
when you're sitting in there, are you fooling yourself? Like, are you saying, you know, please pardon the harsh language. It's not intentional. If you know, if you think I'm saying something wrong, please correct me. But does it, are you, do you believe you're going to be clean coming out of there? You know, no. or are you just like, I'm hanging on until I can get out and then I'm going to score my first score and then I'll be right back on that, right back on the bus. Well, you that's know? the thing. Like, so um, recovery, especially 12 step originated recovery talks a lot and deals a lot and focuses on the 24 hours you're standing in. Mm. So that's kind of the whole spill. Like if you're in an inpatient place, they're not talking about tomorrow. They're not talking about next week. They're talking about just for today, one day at a time. Okay. You know, there's all those cliches. So, but to, to kind of like touch on your point, like I never, never thought that I would like make it forever. Like, especially when sitting down, thinking about time beyond what I was, you know, and it was just like, I'm not, there's no way I can never not use again. So how long has it been? Right now I'm sitting in 18 months. Oh, wow. So, so good for you. Thank you. Um, I've been in recovery in and out of the rooms for 11 years now. Okay. Um, I had seven and a half years. I got married, went on a honeymoon and decided I was cured and, Come to find out I wasn't. Mm. Um, are you ever really cured? No. I, yeah, I don't think you are, right? Like, I mean, so it's like this. <clears throat> it's like this, right? If I get shot, I can go to the hospital. I can have the bullet removed, get stitched up, do all the treatments they tell me to do, and that bullet wound will heal. But that doesn't make me bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way I'm still susceptible to that first drink, that first joint, whatever it is, whatever yeah. form it takes, I am still an addict in that sense. So I, I cannot successfully use, just like I cannot successfully take a, a round to the, <laughs> to any appendage. Yeah, to any you know? part, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's, that's kind of the thing, right? Um, yeah, I think I thought, what, what was the original question is, oh, uh, about, you know, wondering if I'm going to use again or not, um, if I'm going to be successful. Really, it was just, especially initially in those first days. So when you're in treatment, when you're in a, a facility like that, they have what's called H&I, it's called hospitals and institutions. Mm-hmm. And it's a group of people from the local 12-step community who come in and share their story with you. And so for me, it, it was less thinking about like, am I capable of staying clean? And it was more believing that these people did. And maybe if I hang around them, like through osmosis, you know, maybe yeah. I can get some of that good. Okay. You know? do, you, do you have a faith background at all? You, you know that we're a Christian show. And so, I mean, you probably figure the question was coming eventually. Do you have a, do you have a faith background? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. Do you um, want to share that at all? Or you don't have to if you want to. But do you Yeah. Absolutely. So here's the thing. You, you come in, you come into the rooms and they talk about a God of your own understanding. Mm. So when I came into the rooms, I was raised Southern Baptist and I had a God of my own misunderstanding at the time. I had a God that was hellfire and brimstone in my mind that was only out to punish me. And it wasn't out to, you know, help me beyond you know, anything that was just, you know, um, I guess giving praise and exaltment to him. And when I came into the rooms, I found through strenuous 
work. Like this wasn't something that just popped one day. Like this took a lot of work, but I came to find I had a relationship with a power that was greater than myself, a, a, a higher power, a God of my own understanding that is loving, that is greater than anything I could ever be. That's good. And it's, I don't know, man, it's intimate, right? It's intimate. You know, it, it, it wasn't, it was no longer that foxhole prayer type of thing. Right. You know, like I see the cops in the, yeah. in the rear view mirror and I'm praying like, get me God, out of this. God, man. if you can get me out of this, I promise <laughs> I'll ever do this again or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, it's, um, I, and so I still lean on, you know, what I good. learned growing up. Right. But it, mm-hmm. it's more of an intimate type of thing that That's I have good. today. That's good. So that helps you, that helps you through that stuff that helped you through, through some, through the, uh, the recovery process and it continues to help you today, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Good. Without Very a good. doubt. That's neat. So I, I want to get back to, so where do you go when you've been in, in, in these recovery programs, you've been inpatient, uh, you know, you I imagine your first couple of times, you know, I don't know, I, I wasn't there, but your first couple of times is, you know, you're kind of a rookie, you know, maybe you're kind of optimistic. And then you hit the point where you're like, dude, it's been five times. I've been in, this is my seventh, eighth, 10th, you know, whatever, you know, keep the money, go, keep, keep the numbers going. Um, you'd probably get really just discouraged, like pessimistic almost. I would think like you just kind of go, I'm just doing it because I know it ain't going to stick because man, I've been here a dozen times and it's just not going to stick. So, you know, when do you get to the point and what happened to you where you realize that, you know, I'm going to make this work. You know, there's, there's, there's gotta be some, like something in you, you know, you're leaning on God, right? You talked about that and that's good. Um, and that's probably central to, to the process. I don't think, I don't think we can do anything in life. Maybe as a Christian, I, there's nothing I can do without God. I know that already. Um, but I sure can stiff arm him. You know, I can keep him at arm's distance and I can, and I can, you know, keep him as far away from me as I want, you know? Right. Um, but uh, when do you, when does it click, you know, and can you pinpoint, and if it's okay if the answer is no, can you pinpoint the, the events that happened? I'm sure your daughter being born was part of it. Um, the events that happened to make you go, you know what? No, I'm going to make it work this time. This time I'm going to make it work. And now 18 months later, you're on this show talking about it, right? So um, what happened to, to, to where the last time was the last time, you know? Here's, here's the thing, like, so... I did not know. I, I, I was hopeless on this last one. Like giving up seven and a half years of continuous clean time and going back out was such a shame. I mean, it was, mm. it was, it's still hard. It's still tough mm. sitting in a room and talking about that. I mean, you know, in, in meetings. Um, we, so you, we, you were clean seven and a half years before the last time. Yeah. That, it, that would be discouraging, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that's not a shot. That's just like, you know, trying to internalize it myself. Like if I'm, you know, any, anything drug use, you know, like whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Like if you've, if you've been on a, on the right path for anything for seven, eight years and you've been struggling up to that point, but you've been good, good, the word, right. Whatever. And, and then, and then you, you relapse or you backslide or you, you know, that's, that is discouraging. Yeah. So how do you, how do you over, that's huge in itself. How do you overcome that? How do you not just get to the point and go, well, I guess this is who I am. 
I mean, I did, you know, therefore, therefore uh, I, I was only out, thank God for four months. Okay. But in that four months time, I fed a lot of, a uh, lot of self-destructive behaviors <laughs> into okay. that. Um, and I mean, I picked up right where I left off, you know, um, but I actually had that thought that you just said, you know, like, and I put it like this. So my best day in recovery feels like I'm finally becoming a version of myself. I've always strived to be Good. my worst day in recovery feels like I'm running away from a version of myself that I can never escape. Mm. And that, that is doubly so mm. when I'm using, right? So that's me resigning to that lower nature. Um, but I, I'm be honest, Q, it was when I was out this last time, I had made so many great, strong relationships in the rooms that I would have people call me up and they wouldn't bash me over the head. They wouldn't tell me, man, you need to get it together. They would say, brother, I love you. Don't be sorry. Just be safe. And we will see you soon. And that had such a profound impact on me. You know, it had a profound impact on me like that level of care and understanding and just empathy, you know, I don't know, man, there's something about that. And there was more than a few of them. One, one guy told me that and another guy told me, man, look, it's all just one big try. That's all it is. It doesn't matter how much time you had before. Like you can come back, you know, we'll be right here waiting for you. Hmm. And so there was enough of those little moments, enough of those little phone calls. And I always answered because the last thing I wanted was to make people feel like I, something was wrong. You know, I wanted them to know that I was relatively okay. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but cause I've done that. I've been that guy. I've been that guy calling the person who fell off, you know, and I didn't want to be that person to answer the phone. So, um, you know, it always answered. What are those conversations like? You know, these, are these are, are these sponsors? These are friends. These are family members. Who are these people that are calling a chicken on you? Um, so, these were, these were people I had in the rooms. These are, these yeah. are friends. I had, uh, my sponsor, you know, sponsorship brothers. Um, these are just relationships I'd made in you know, hitting meetings and doing all the recovery stuff. And, you know, this, it was, it was, le- it, I would answer the phone. They'd be like, man, I'm just glad that you answered. You know, I love you. I care about you. And uh, they would, they were literally just checking on my well being. They were not judging my circumstance. They were not kicking me down. They knew I was down already. There was no need for that. And they knew that. Yeah. It was just true altruism, true care, true love and compassion for another suffering addict. Okay. You know? Interesting. What was your poison? What what is, Uh, what is the, what what was the one that got you the most? That's maybe a, sorry if that's a dumb question, but. No. Um, here's the thing. Like I, my, my drug of choice was meth mixed with heroin, a little cocktail. Uh, but ultimately when it all comes down to it, it's just more, yeah, more of whatever it is that's getting me out of myself and into a different state of mind, Hmm. you know? Um, my relapse after seven and a half years, I, I was never a booze guy. 
we were at a uh, all-inclusive resort on our honeymoon. And let me tell you, man, I got down through there on that open bar. And I never drank like that, you know, but I mean, I was, yeah. So it doesn't matter what it is. You know, Just more of it. More of it. Wow. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, that's, that's heavy, bro. So that's, uh, that's, wow, that's a good story. Um, anything else you want to share about that? Cause I want to jump in on, I want to jump in on the sobriety caucus that you got going on with the LP and what that's all about. But I want to make sure that, uh, I want to hear everything you have to say first about your story. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I guess essentially it's what it is. Uh, one last thing I wanted to share on it is that you, you had asked the question, you know, like, how did you know, like that was it for you? And I, I just didn't, man. I just showed up and <clears throat> here's the thing, right? So Q, let's say I live in central Oklahoma. Let's say that you move here, right? Okay. And you have car problem. Okay. And you say, Hey Drew, where can I get my car fixed? And I tell you, Oh yeah, Dan around the corner. He's got a mechanic shop. He'll do you a good job. Just go over there and see him. So you go over there and you're acting in a belief because you believe me when I tell you that Dan can hook you up. Yeah. So you go, Dan does a good job. Right. So it comes to find out that your belief was founded was well-founded. Well, the next time you have a car problem, you'll go back to Dan, not in belief, but in faith. Yeah. So for me, after having so much time clean and knowing that this program could work, I was operating in faith. I didn't feel it at the time. Mm. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was, you know, Oh man, I'm doing something great here. I just was going, it was muscle memory at that point. It was doing the work that was needed to be done in order to get myself out of the position that I got myself in, relying on God, relying on other people until it finally, bam, you know, I felt it again. I felt okay in my own skin again. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the deal, man. When we come around into the rooms, anybody who's listening to this, if you're struggling and you're thinking like, what do I do? Just believe me when I tell you that these programs will work for you, you know, and they will come a point in your life where you'll be able to do this in faith and not just belief. Wow. That's neat, man. Yeah. Okay. So that, that was it. That was that's it on good. the story. No, yeah, that's it, dude. That's good. So let's talk, let's talk about the sobriety. Is it the sobriety caucus or the sober caucus or what is, what are we, sober what, caucus. Are, what are we calling that? Okay. What is that? So, um, we talked briefly before we started recording that we're both involved in the LP. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to get active locally here in Southern California, San Diego County. Um, and, uh, uh I got in with the, uh, the Mises caucus here. And I think that's probably, that's kind of like a, like a, it's kind of a Gucci thing we're doing now, I guess. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> that's, that's, it what's is. Cool. that's what's cool. But, it uh, is. And, and you, but you love yeah. to see it though. I mean, yeah. cause here's yeah. the thing you, you get people that are passionate. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. I love it. Here's the thing. It, so what's whether, the sober caucus then? What, what is that? So what it is, it's a group of people within the libertarian party who wish to abstain from mood changing, mind altering substances that bring about destruction, but also advocate for ending the war on drugs. Yeah. And the purpose for this caucus is twofold, right? So the first one being in the primary reason 
is to have a network of people across the country that anytime that there's a California LP or a Oklahoma LP get together or Colorado or anywhere else, that there will be a sober caucus present so you can show up and not have to worry about whether or not you're going to be the odd man out or odd yeah. woman out, not drinking. You know, you'll have people you can mingle with in, in a stress-free environment. Um, and then the other part of that too, the purpose of the caucus is to have a nuanced voice. When we talk about ending the war on drugs, I can think of no better voice to advocate for that than for the people who have been through the criminal justice system, who wish to seek an end to the war on drugs, not so they can imbibe themselves, but because they know that this is the best pathway forward yeah. for this country. It's, it's unique. It's interesting how um, the government's war on drugs has done more to increase drug abuse and drug use amongst uh, the population than, than if they would just leave it alone. Yeah, you know, they just stay out of it. You know, they they've created these problems. Their their yep. involvement has created the market for crack cocaine and and crystal meth and all these things that if they would just leave it alone, some of this stuff wouldn't have even existed yet. You know, at all, right? Right. So, without a doubt, especially not. You know, right now we're seeing a, a epidemic of monumental proportions of fentanyl laced everything. Fentanyl laced, yeah, everything. You're you right. Know? Yeah, this this synthetic thing that that just gets dumped into everything now because yeah. because of government restrictions and and uh, so many people who when you hear I'm going to ramble a little bit. I'm sorry, but um, and you've heard it before, and I'm I'm sure you'll you'll add to this. Uh, so many people when when they hear you talk about being against the war on drugs, they're like, oh, you just want grandma getting higher. You just want to sell you know crack cocaine to eight year old kids. And of course, the answer is no, we don't. No. Duh, you know that's stupid. But it's it's the uh, the nuanced understanding that the government is actually creating this problem. This war on drugs was never meant to be won. It was meant to continue forever. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? This, yep. this 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 war on your freedom to choose. Uh, what's what's right and what's wrong and what you should and shouldn't put in your own body and you know like you i believe that you probably shouldn't put most things in your own body just just from a you know being you know that's just not a good idea (laughs) you know know, like like it's just not healthy it's not good it's not how you were created it's not what your god wants for you to do for you to do right but uh um but that's a choice between you that's something between you and your god not and the government's not that you know, no. and then and then for them to, you know, uh, legislate morality and try and try and push this this agenda on you, it only creates a situation where, well, we can go on and on. It only creates a situation where uh, you've just you've just empowered cartels. Yeah. You know. So sorry, keep going, man. I didn't mean to hijack it, but but uh, I want to no. be clear. I want to be clear that everybody knows, you know, because I'm with you on this one, hundred uh, percent. Um, ending the war on drugs is not about making sure everybody has more drugs. No, (laughs) no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that you should be able to do recreational heroin, but I don't think that you should do recreational heroin. Yeah. Terrible idea. Not a good idea. (laughs) I I don't know. There is, there's a college professor. I don't know if you heard, I think his name is Carl Hart. Um, But he's a guy and he's actually openly admitting like, Hey, look, I do heroin. It's helped me out. Like it's wild. Like this dude has a whole, thing that he does man yeah but that's a train you want to get on that i don't think you do man i mean i I don't think you do but when i was a kid when i was a kid at uh and this is just talking about addiction when i was a kid 13 years old junior high right in the backyard pool of of a good friend of mine we got into his dad's copenhagen stash in the freezer 
and uh, we all took a pinch of this Copenhagen and right, right between the cheek and the gum. And boy, it was great for about 37 seconds. And then we're all thrown up in the bushes, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and it was yeah. really, you know, the whole thing, it's like, and let me tell you how dumb people are. Right. So at 13, I recognized that I shot, I should probably not be doing Copenhagen, but you know, fast forward over time, I had a nicotine addiction when all throughout my Navy experience, I was in the Navy 13 and a half years and I smoked and chewed, you know, and it's gross. It's disgusting. And it's terrible mm -hmm. for you. Um, yeah. I don't know why that's relevant to this discussion. I guess it's, it's from an, from an addiction perspective, you, entirely you, relevant. Your, your body immediately knows that something is not good for you, but your own, you know, I'm going to say stupidity and that's not a shot at you or anybody. It's all of us. We're just dumb animals. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll just keep trying until it's something your body goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. Give me more of that. That's yeah. great. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, Here, but that's, here's the yeah, thing. sorry. <laughs> so one of the things that the recovery has taught me is that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's good. so it, whenever I feel cut off from my creator or from whatever you may believe in, you know, like that it's fine. But whenever I feel cut off from my creator, I, there is things that I try to put into that void, into that hole. I vape. I, I have uh, horrible eating habits. Uh, gambling is a thing. Like there's so many areas outside of just narcotics to where if I put that front and center instead of the God of my own understanding, I'm destined for failure. And I think that that's what a lot of people fall into. You know, you could be, you can be an atheist and still get this recovery thing. I'm not trying to exclude that segment yeah. of the population, but what I'm saying is we all have a purpose that's greater than just these like hedonistic consumption animals that we tend to turn into. That's true. You know, and it's, it's just, it's all about fighting for the higher nature above the lower nature. That's good. You know? That's good, man. That's very, that's very positive. Um, so how does one go about uh, being involved in the sober caucus for the LP? So right now um, just find us uh, on Twitter, LP sober caucus. We have one meet. We've been doing one zoom meeting a month. And like right now what we're doing is we're working on our bylaws. Like this is new, new, you know, yeah. um, one of the things that we're trying to figure out is, do you, do you have anybody in Southern California? Uh, no. Do you want one? Yes. Can I be it? Yes. Okay. Would love to have you on board. All right. Would love to have you on board. Um, one of the main things that we're trying to figure out right now is how to go about filing nonprofit status because we are, we are not intending to be a candidate caucus. This is strictly an issues caucus. Okay. Um, but what we want to do and what we will do come hell or high water is have a hospitality room in Reno um, that is going to be sober, a sober environment, which is absolutely Good. necessary and needed. And especially that town, a town like Reno, you Dude. know, uh, you know, yes. I've, I've got, you know, I mean, I've been there a hundred times, but uh, yeah, I got family there. I love that. I love that little city. It's a neat, it's a neat, grungy, little gritty little town. I like it. Yeah. But it's probably a good idea to have a hospitality, a sober hospitality room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially at a libertarian convention. Oh yeah. 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 So um, that's where we're at with it. So if, if, if anybody's listening to this, and you want to get involved, reach out to me um, like either on that Twitter page or you can find me uh, at Liberty Drew 84. I'd be more than happy to, to shoot the zoom link. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how we do it. We, we, 
meet on Sundays, and that may be subject to change. It's just kind of like depending on everybody's availability. Yeah. And we've also got a Discord where we're coordinating it. If you've done anything with an organization before and you've worked with bylaws, you already know what kind of work we're doing right now. It, it kind of—it's a labor of love. We're all libertarians, dude. We hate that stuff. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. We, yeah. we genuinely do not like it. But for an organization to be an organization and to get the no, the, no, the notice that it needs, to right? Be, you know, successful, you got to go through that. Unfortunately. Without a doubt. Yeah. 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 Well, Drew, is there anything else you want to talk about, man? I know you've, you you plugged you plugged your thing. I want I want to talk more about this if you have more to say. So, what, um, what else you got? So, I, I guess we just kind of circle back to the Clean Libertarian podcast and Good. why I started it. Um, so, when I first came in to the libertarian community, it started out with me joining up with Liberty Memes over on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And just seeing some of the conversation that occurred there, somebody asked, well, what do we do with drug addicts in a libertarian society? And I kept seeing Darwinism being the number one answer in some of these conversations. And just, I felt, just let them kill themselves. Is that what the answer is? Just that was just, the answer. Just, just let it end itself. Let it go all the way to, to the ultimate conclusion of death. Right. Yeah, that, that's uplifting. Yeah, that's what you I know, thought. That, you know, you know, I was that's, like, wow. that's, how you, that's how you win friends. And influence people to your cause, right? Yeah, just now nah, we're just gonna kill the, you know, your 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 brother who's struggling. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna let him kill himself. We don't care. Yeah, yeah, just be dead. Not yeah, a big deal. No, that's not great. Yeah, um, where's the where's the compassion in that, man? Dude, you know? yeah, that's that's where I was at. And we and we get and we get off as libertarians to 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 tell everybody that our that our belief system, our our uh, philosophy, is the most compassionate. You know. Yeah. When when compared to all of the statists out there. Yeah. Liberty is the most compassionate. It is. Yep. So yep. so let's so so where is it in that argument? You know, <laughs> there's gotta be compassion there. So what is the answer? What is the answer in a liberty environment a libertarian environment for, for, for uh, addiction? What's what's the answer? Twelve steps. Yeah. These and, fellowships and, yeah, compassion with compassion with your fellow man, right? Just yeah. Yeah, re- outreach, mm-hmm. you know. Charity and charity doesn't mean free stuff. It means love. Yeah. You know, charity, outreach, you know, support, help, all the things that we were doing before, you know, all the, all the, uh, what do they call those? The uh, uh, fraternal uh, organizations, those fraternal systems um, that have been basically run out of business by the monopoly on violence. That is the state, you know, yeah. that stuff comes back. Knowing who your neighbor is and knowing whether your neighbor needs help and how you can help your neighbor. That doesn't mean handouts. That means help. Right. You know? Right. And that's kind of a, so here's the thing is that 12 step fellowships are the poster child for libertarian solutions. They don't receive any government funding whatsoever. They were purely organic and continue to be organic in nature. I love that so much. Dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know how, how I'm a history nerd when it comes to this stuff and just like, Dude, let me tell you, I could go on for hours about how wonderful it was that it started up and how the hardships were, but truly disconnected from the state in every single way, shape, and form. These are the free market solutions to drug addiction. I love it. Dude, it's awesome. So that's that's the purpose of the Clean Libertarian and it's just, Podcast. And it's just a bunch of people that see a need. Yeah, they just see it. a need and they and they have an ability to fill the need, and so they do. And they, they do so, I mean, it's a selfish endeavor. It really is because like I have to 
give back in order for me to keep what I've got. Mm. And, the, and you know, so it's, it's twofold. Like I stay clean by helping the next person get clean and they stay clean because I'm helping them. So it's a beneficial, it's a symbiotic relationship that we have with one another in the rooms, mm. you know, and, and that's what keeps it going. And it's a beautiful thing, you know? Um, but yeah, we're doing what's best. I, I guess, you know, praxology, I, I don't want to get off on the weird, like e- economic tangent or whatever, but like, you can, cause you I'm, know. I'm, I'm an, I'm an econ nerd, man. <coughs> if you want to get off, go for it. Dude. So this, this is, you know, that's it, when I think of, you know, praxology in, and I'm probably going to butcher this cause I'm not that's an right. econ nerd, but you know, this is what human action is like. This mm-hmm. is, people helping people for the betterment of themselves. You yeah. know, it's not just, you know, anything beyond that. And so when the libertarians get faced with, well, what do you do with the addicts? I want, my goal is for them to say, A-A-N-N-A, they yeah. figured it out, man. We've, they've already got this going on. They did so because at one point in time, Q, they were putting people like me in insane asylums. Yes, they were. Lobotomies. Yeah. shocked therapy treatments. Like they did not know what to do with this, you know? Um, thank God that we've gotten to where we are now as a society, but the answer is still there. They still, whenever you get arrested, you might get mandated to go to a rehab, but ultimately you're going to have to go get your paper signed at a 12 step meeting. The government acknowledges that they don't have a solution to this, right? This is Whoa. still, yeah. You know, how deep, you know how you know how deep that that's like some serious white pill stuff right there yeah dude the government has acknowledged i didn't even th- think about this and it's so simple i mean the, in this in this instance in this situation with this topic the government has acknowledged that they don't have an answer for it mm-hmm. yeah it's probably yeah. the first it's probably the first problem that they've helped create that they haven't <laughs> tried to solve right you know it's the first broken leg that they haven't given you a wheelchair for that's the thing. <laughs> so they'll force you to go to these meetings and they're going to charge you for it. They're going to pay you fines and fees and all of that. Not that the meeting place isn't going to charge you a fee, yeah. but you're going to have to pay for all these individual treatments and blah, 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 this or that. But ultimately the government is saying we do not have a solution. And it's not the meeting, right? I mean, you can go to the meeting and you can, you can just kind of like tune everything out and just be the, be the guy whose butt is in the chair and nothing else. Right. Yeah but you have to participate. You have to buy in. You have to listen and learn and try and commit some sort of energy and effort. And, 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 you know, and from my perspective, prayer and, you know, surrender a little bit to to, to solve this problem. Uh, Just going to the meeting and being there isn't enough. Um, I would, I would imagine, you know, you hit the nail on the head. You, you, you brought up one of my favorite words and that's surrender. So yeah, Government programs teach compliance. Yeah. AA teaches surrender. Yeah. There is stark difference in between the two. That's amazing. You, yeah. You have these, these, you know, hometown legislators who are propping up drug court stats. Like it's, you know, something to be proud of, but man, you were threatening, threatening to put them in the cage if they didn't do what you told them to do. Yeah. You're going to throw a human being in a cage. Yeah, dude. Nobody what wants do to do expect? that. That's why what I pay my expect? taxes. Cause I don't want to be in a cage. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's not voluntary. It's, yeah. Yeah. But they do that. They do that. They say, oh, taxes are voluntary. You can voluntarily pay it. Like, that's what they will say. It's crazy. No, man. You no, know? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring that into it. That's, that's, no, that's, no, the, liber- right. that's the libertarian ah, taxation stuff. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to bring that in. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a good, parallel, man. I guess. Yeah. 
that that that's that's kind of the whole thing though is that you know what what we teach in recovery is when you got 50 AK47s pointed at your head you don't throw down your gun with an attitude right you surrender yeah to the fact that like look this thing whipped me you know and and you learn what that looks like you learn what that looks like but when it comes to like the government solution like you're just learning to get by until that judge signs off on your paperwork I can't tell you how many people I've watched successfully go through the drug court system and do well. And then as soon as it was done, I'm talking a couple of months and they're either dead back in prison. They're on the streets to this day. Some of them made it back into the rooms. I'm glad to see it, but you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's a problem that we are faced with today. You know, is that government thinking that they can somehow mandate the type of rock bottom for a spiritual awakening to exist and to occur. And, and it's gotta can't. be a, it's gotta be a rock bottom, right? It's gotta be, you have to be at the bottom looking up going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how I got down here, but I got to get out of here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not done till you're done. Yeah. You know, you're not done till you're done. And what that looks like is different from person to person. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. We all have different circumstances, different events in our life, different, different things that we hold dear. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, the, the stuff that has to be taken away and restricted and I mean, that's different for everybody. You're right. Yeah. Without a doubt. But that's, that's kind of a long way around the barn of just talking about, you know, what, what the clean libertarian projects about. Um, I just want to highlight stories of recovery I want to talk to people who are doing good things because there's, there's, you can end the war on drugs, but you can do it the wrong way. You know, there's, there's, we've seen it. We've seen it occur across the country. You know, like you look at, look at California and and the way that their legalized route went, like that's the wrong way to do it. You know, there's a way to approach this. You can't expect California to really do anything right. No, you know, I mean, and that's, that's, I mean, from a guy that was born and raised here, left, spent most of my adult life outside of California and recently in the last few months moved back. Um, Really happy to be here. You know, I'm really like I was, I was regretting the move back to California. But since I've been here, it's like, you know what, this is really a cool place. It really is a neat spot, like a nice state, nice city that I'm in, San Diego. Um, A lot of things going on here that are really cool. Uh, None of it has anything to do with the government. So, yeah. No, yeah, all the all the things that are good about it are divorced from the government. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. But I mean, I think government as a whole has messed it up. Like even yeah. here in Oklahoma, we have medical cannabis now, and the way that they are approaching the licensing and things like that, they are opening the door for corporations to come in, and that will be the only uh, presence in the marketplace. Like we've got and then, people and then you're going to have these people blaming capitalism. Right? Exactly. Oh, look how bad it is. And it's all because of capitalists and, and, and their greed and everything yeah. else. But it's like, you know, these, these partnerships with corporations, these government corporate partnerships is that, uh, you know, we, yeah, everybody knows that who listens, you know, the three people who listen to this podcast already know that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, yeah. So, but yeah. Government's good. bad. Government's bad, kids. Ultimately, yeah. So good chat, Drew. Man, is there is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap this up? I mean, that you had a lot of. I mean, what a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I really. I did. enjoyed this, man. Anytime I can and talk to anybody about recovery, like this is where I'm home. 
This is why yeah. I do well. This is all I know. You did know? you want did you want to talk about your future adventures and in, in branching out into that or are you not ready to have that have that discussion? Uh really the, 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 the only thing that I'm trying to plug and and push is like if you know if you're listening to this and you know anybody who's an attorney and knows about nonprofit filing, we just need some help. Like we don't have the kind of money that I've been looking at. This <laughs> is gonna cost us like I don't know how to make this work. I know that mm. a hospitality room in Reno is going to cost no less than two grand. And in order for us to raise that kind of money and not get in trouble for it, we're going to have to have nonprofit status. So if you're listening to this and you know how to help, please reach out to me. That's really the main thing. That's, that's goal number one right now. We got Reno coming up in a year. Um, this needs to be figured out, you know, hopefully soon. Um, yeah. That's okay. Good. Well, Drew, thanks. It was glad. It was good to have you on. Um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording. We'll hang out and chat for a bit. Hey, one last thing for you. Yeah, the yeah. Good. If you're listening to this and you've been waiting for a sign to stop using, this is your sign. This Bingo. is it. Amen. Thank you. This is it. That's great. That's, that's all I got. Thank you. Yeah.